let's take a roll as this one. Yeah, we'll turn to Matthew, oh, sorry, Genesis, not Matthew, that's Wednesday night. Genesis 24. <coughs> Genesis chapter 24. And we're just going to read verse 15 and then we'll have a word of prayer. Genesis 24, verse 15. <coughs> it says, And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with a pitcher upon her shoulder. Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this time. Thank you, Lord, that we can gather this morning around your word. And Lord, I pray that this morning you would speak to each of our hearts. You would teach us, instruct us through your word. That, Lord, you would enable me now as I speak, Lord, that it would be your words, it would be your thoughts. And our Lord, you would receive all the glory, uh, the honour and the praise this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we began looking at Matthew, uh, Matthew, Genesis. It's got Matthew in mind from Wednesday night. Genesis chapter 24, last Sunday morning. And it's a familiar passage. We know uh, the story well of how Isaac and Rebekah were brought together. And we focused in particular last Sunday on the determination of both Abraham and his servant to find God's choice, find God's choice for Isaac as a wife. And Abraham's determination uh, was seen in his instructions, uh, seen there in verses 3 to 6, which Tim Tim read for us before. Uh, Abraham, of course, there with his instructions, we saw that he was uh, determined that his son should not marry uh, any of the Canaanite women, uh, any of the women from the surrounding nations, but rather that his wife should be someone who served and loved the same God. And therefore the servant was made to swear that he would go back to Abraham's brethren and that he would look there for a wife for Isaac. And Abraham was also determined that Isaac was not to go with him. He made his servant swear that he wouldn't take Isaac back to the land that he had come from, but that Isaac would stay in the land of Canaan. And the reason for that was that that was God's will. Abraham knew that God's will for Isaac's life was to be in the land of Canaan. And so this marriage relationship was not to take him out of the will of God. And then we saw the servant's determination as he heard these instructions. He made the oath. He said that he would obey these commands. And he traveled uh, with Abraham's um, camels. He traveled to Abraham's brethren. And he arrived at the city there at the edge of the city And he stopped by the well. And we saw that before anything else, he bowed his head and he prayed. Again, as Tim read for us just before, uh, verses 12 to 14, he bowed his head and he prayed and he asked the Lord now for direction. He basically asked the Lord to make it very clear who his choice is by way of a test. Okay, He, He said, I'll ask the woman, you know, for a drink. And if she says yes, and then she also offers to water the camels then I'll know that it's your choice. And so the servant, like his master, Abraham, was determined to find God's choice. He wasn't looking for what he thought was best. He was looking for God's choice in this matter. And so he sought the Lord in prayer. And we saw the lesson was clear that, you know, when we are looking for God's choice, we need to look in the right place. And we need to look for for it amongst fellow believers who are going to encourage and aid us in the will of God, not take us away from the will of God. 
And then we need to, like the servant, prayerfully wait upon him, trusting in his providential care. And that's where we're up to now this morning as we continue in the passage. We see now the revelation of God's choice, the revelation of God's choice. Let's just read verse 15 again. It says, And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. Now, when the servant finished his prayer here at the well, you know, perhaps at first he thought it might take some time before he saw the answer to his prayer. You know, that he would have to ask this question of quite a few young ladies as they arrived at the well before the right one would be revealed. But of course, that was not the case at all, was it? You know, as he is praying, God has already answered his prayer and Rebecca is already on her way and she arrives at the well before he's even done speaking. That's what it says at the start of verse 15. And it came to pass before he had done speaking. Even before he's finished speaking, Rebecca has already arrived at the well. God's answer to his prayer has arrived. You know, this truly is the providence of God at work, isn't it? You know, God's perfect timing, moving all of these things, all these events, so this meeting takes place at this particular time. You know, it's not a chance meeting, is it? This is the providential care of Almighty God. This is God working behind the scenes to bring His will to pass. And the servant here experienced the truth of Isaiah 65. Just turn over there, Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah 65 and verse 24, we read this. It says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. You know, the servant, he experienced this here, didn't he? He experienced this. You know, even before he'd, he'd called, the Lord had already answered. The Lord already knew who Rebecca, you know, that Rebecca was his choice, and he had already sent Rebecca on her way to the well before the servant even asked. That's a wonderful truth, isn't it? God knew what he would pray, and God knew uh, the need, and God was working to answer his prayer. You know, we likewise can be sure that when we pray, the Lord is attentive. And that the Lord is hearing us and the Lord has indeed already answered our prayer. He's already put things in motion. Now, sometimes, of course, that doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately. You know, sometimes we do have to be patient and we have to wait for the Lord's timing for his answer to arrive. But we can be sure that he has already answered. And that's a wonderful truth. When we pray, God has already answered and we just need to wait for his perfect timing for that answer to be revealed. Now, for Abraham's servant here, the timing was immediate, wasn't it? The timing was immediate. He looks up from his prayer, and before anything else, before he has a possibility to be distracted by any other women coming down to the well, he looks up and he sees Rebecca. And she's there before all else, ready to draw water from the well. Let's just go back to Genesis 24. Verse 15 again, it says, And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with a pitcher upon his shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. 
Here's Rebecca. She's here before all else. She's there and she's there to draw water in the evening for her family. And this immediately speaks to us something of Rebecca's character. Uh, Commentator Morris said this, the daily duty of drawing water for their families was hardly an enjoyable activity for the young girls of the town. It was a hard, though necessary, chore. And probably most of them dwaddle as long as they could before actually getting to the task. But not Rebecca. She was the first one there. You see, immediately this speaks to us of her character, doesn't it? Straight away, we're seeing something about this young lady, Rebecca. See something about her attitude, something about her, her temperaments. You know, we begin to understand why she's God's choice for Isaac. The servant, as he looks up, he sees her and he immediately runs to now apply the test that he had prayed and asked of the Lord. He runs and he asks her for a drink and she responds by hastening to give him some water. Look in verse 17. It says, And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And so she immediately responds very courteously. She responds by giving him a drink. Now, of course, this was only the first part of the test, wasn't it? This is the part of the test that really any of the women should have done because this was common courtesy to give a drink. And so this part of the, of the, of the test really doesn't tell him anything. It's what happens next that confirms for him that this is God's choice. Verse 19 we read, And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also, until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough, and ran again unto the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. You see, without any prompting here, Rebecca now sees the camels are in need, you know, they've had a long journey. She, needs, she sees, sorry, that they're in need of water and she immediately seeks to meet that need. She immediately offers to, be, to draw water and she does that. She goes and draws water for them as well. And we spoke about last week how this was not going to be an easy task. It's not an easy task. It would have been uh, completely unreasonable for the servant to ask her to do this. You know, for him to say, can you water my camels as well, that would be an unreasonable request because this is a, a hard task. But Rebecca does this freely, demonstrating that she is a servant, doesn't she? Demonstrating her servant's heart and demonstrating that she is the answer to the servant's prayer. Now consider for a moment here the fact that when Rebecca does this, she has no idea who this man is. She has no idea who this man is. She doesn't know that he's been sent by Abraham, her relative, this wealthy man, this man who serves Almighty God. She has no idea who he is or what he's there for. And so there's no ulterior motive here, is there? She's not trying to gain points. She's not trying to put on a show. She's not doing this because she has inside knowledge. She's simply being Rebecca. Isn't that a wonderful thing? She's simply being herself. This is her character. This is who she is. We get a wonderful glimpse of this, this woman. We see here her, her kind nature. We see her humility. We see that she's a, a pleasant young lady. We see also that she's a hard worker. Now she draws water for 10 camels and that's not an easy task. Now I was reading this week and after a long journey like this, a camel can drink up to 150 litres of water. That's a lot of water. And she's doing that for 10 
camels and she continues until they're finished. This is not just a simple couple of little pictures. She's doing a hard amount of work here, willingly. You see, we see her humble spirit. We see her humble service here. And it immediately stands out to us what a remarkable young woman this, this lady is. Now, we can imagine the thrill that, must, that this must have been, sorry, for the servant. Now, as he's standing by and he, he asks this question and then she responds by doing this, you can imagine the thrill because he's seen before his eyes God answering his prayer. He's seen before his very eyes God demonstrating clearly that he's in control and that he has, like Abraham had told his servant, God is directing him. God is going before him, preparing the way. You notice that the servant doesn't just now rush in and assume that she's the one. It seems like she is. seems like he has the answer to his prayer, but he doesn't just rush, rush in and assume that she's the answer. He holds his peace until she's finished, and then he asks her a question. Just read with me verse 21. It says, And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? He holds his peace and then he asks this question. When she's finished the task, he gives her these gifts in appreciation and he asks her this question. He says, Whose daughter art thou? Now, this is the all-important question. Because he had been sworn, you know, he made an oath to Abraham that he would not take a wife of anyone but Abraham's brethren. And so he asked this question, whose daughter art thou? You see, she had to be of his brethren. She had to serve the same God. You see, even though it seemed like God had answered his prayer, even though it seemed like the way had been made clear, he still stopped to ask the question and confirm that it was God's will. Rebecca's response is found for us in verse 24. It says, And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. And she moreover said unto him, uh, sorry, she said moreover unto him, We have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. Her response confirms that she is indeed the descendant of Abraham's brother. And she offers them lodging as well. And as soon as the servant hears this, he immediately responds by worshipping the Lord. Look in verse 26. It says, The man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. You, know, you can imagine here, and you get the sense here that he's overcome with emotion as he hears her response. Overcome with emotion as he recognizes all that God has done. You know, God has brought him here to this, to this place. He's made this prayer and God has brought out this young lady and she is indeed of the brethren of Abraham. This is a remarkable answer to prayer. This is not a coincidence. This is you know, like looking for a needle in a haystack and yet here it is right before him. And you get the sense he's overcome with emotion and he bows his head and he acknowledges God. He acknowledges that it's all of the Lord. This is God's providential care, his leading. You know, the phrase in verse, I think it's verse 25 there, 
Oh, no, sorry, it's verse... Sorry, I've lost my place here. Verse 26 and verse 27, it says, And the man bowed his down his head and worshipped the Lord, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I, being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. That phrase there, I, let, I being in the way, the Lord led me. That really sums up all we need to know, don't we, about what God has done. You see, the servant had been actively in the way. He had been actively following the Lord and God had led him. Actively seeking God's choice and therefore God had directed him every step of the way, hadn't he? You know, Psalm 37 verse 23 sums up his experience. Just turn over there, Psalm 37. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That's exactly what happens here with the servant. His steps are ordered by the Lord because he's he's in the way. He's seeking the Lord's will, and God is now leading him every step of the way. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, the same truth. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You see, the servant here, he saw the truth of these words, didn't he? He saw the truth of this. He trusted in the Lord and God had not failed him. God had not failed him. God had led him. God had guided him to the the one that Isaac was to marry. God had guided him every step of the way. You see, like the servant, we need to be active in seeking the will of God prayerfully seeking to follow him, and then he will lead us. He will direct our paths. The commentator Morris wrote this, The Lord leads us along the path a step at a time, but before he can lead us along the path, we must be on the path. It's exactly true, isn't it? Before the Lord can lead us on the path, we have to be on the path. We have to be on the path. In other words, we have to be, first of all, surrendered to his will, don't we? We have to be surrendered to the Lord and saying, Lord, I want your will, your choice, and I'll follow your leading. And then the Lord will guide us. The Lord will direct us in every area of life, whatever it is, whether it's you know, concerning our job, concerning ministry, or concerning who we're going to marry. We've got to be surrendered to the Lord first on the path so the Lord can direct and lead our steps. You see, unless we're actively seeking to serve him, ready for him to lead, we're going to miss his leading. You know, the Lord has revealed to us in his word his general will, which applies to all of us, hasn't he? You know, he wants us to be active in serving him in our local church. He wants us to be faithful in attending our local church. He wants us to be in his word each day. He wants us to be in prayer. He wants us to be witnessing. These are God's general will for all of us. And so if we're not doing God's general will, how can we expect God to show us his special will, specific will for our lives? It's not going to happen because we're not on the path. We're over here doing our own thing and we're wondering, why is God not leading me? Well, you're not seeking to follow him. That's the problem. We've got to first be on the path. We've got to first be surrendered and willing to do whatever he asks us to do. And that's the servant here. He was on the path. He was in the way. Seeking God's will. 
and God led him every step of the way. We see secondly now the, the testimony of the servant, the testimony of the servant. Verse 28. <clears throat> Verse 28 says, And the damsel ran and told them of uh, her mother's house these things. And Rebecca had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man and unto the well. And it came to pass when he saw the earring and bracelets upon his sister's hands, when he heard the words of Rebecca, his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord, wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. And the man came into the house and ungirded his camels and gave straw and provender for the camels and water to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him. And there was set meat before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I've told my errand. And he said, Speak on. We find out that Rebecca, she runs home and she tells her family everything that has just happened. She runs home to tell them uh, of, of this man and how she's offered this man hospitality. She runs home in verse 28 and says, And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. And Rebecca had a brother and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out to unto the man, unto the well. So she goes home. She tells them these things. She says, I met this man and I offered him lodging. And so her brother now, Laban, runs out to meet him. And it seems, that, uh, it seems here that Laban is the, the active male in the family. Okay? That obviously, uh, Bethuel is perhaps uh, sick or something like that. So Laban's the one that goes out to represent the family here. He goes out and he welcomes their guests. We're told that he rushes to meet Abraham's servants. And this speaks to us of one of two things. In verse 29 there, uh, at the end it says, And Laban ran out unto the man, unto the well. It speaks to us of either one of two things. It either speaks to us of the fact that Laban here is a, a very gracious and generous host, and so he's rushing to make sure he comes home and to uh, be able to show him hospitality. Or it may speak to us of his character, and it may be that he only rushes out of greed. The start of verse 30 says, And it came to pass when he saw the earring and bracelets upon his sister's hands. And so it may be that it's referring to the fact that he saw the wealth and he rushed out um, because of his greed. And we know from later on in the book of Genesis that Laban was a greedy man. Okay, so we know that's his character. And so it's possible we're seeing an indication of that here as well. But in any case, he rushes out to invite Abraham's servant and his men to come home and stay with them. And we saw Abraham's servant graciously accepts this. He returns home, he feeds his camels, and then they sit down for a meal. But he refuses to eat until he has told them the reason for his journey. As we read there in verse 33. And there was set meat before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I've told my errand. And he said, speak on. And so the servant refuses to eat until he has been able to, to give his testimony. That's really what he wants to do here. He wants to testify of all that has happened, of all that God has done. And he begins with Abraham's instructions to him and how Abraham had made him swear to this. He then tells how he had prayed at the well and finally, how God had answered his prayer with Rebekah's arrival. And let's just read that passage, verse 34 and following. It says, And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, 
and manservant and maidservants and camels and asses. And Sarah, <clears throat> Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master may be swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my father's house and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son. And I said unto my master, Peradventure the woman will not follow me. And he said unto me, The Lord, before whom I walk, will send his angel with thee, and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred, and on my father's house. Thou shalt be clear, sorry, then, thou sh- then shalt thou be clear from this my oath, when thou comest to my kindred. And if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. And I came this day into the well, and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water. And it shall come to pass that when the virgin come forth to draw water, and I say unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she say to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw, draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. And before I had done speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down to the well and drew water. And I said unto her, Let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste and let down her pitcher from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank. And she made the camels drink also. And I said unto her, uh, uh, sorry, and I asked her and said, Whose daughter art thou? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bare unto him. And I put the earring upon her face and the bracelets upon her hands. And I bowed down my head and worshipped the Lord. And blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. And now if ye will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. And so the servant here now gives testimony, doesn't he? He testifies of all that God has done. And he's very careful here to not leave anything out, isn't he? He's very careful to make very clear the leading of God in every step of this, every step of the way. He declares in verse 48, he says, God had led him in the right way. He gives God the glory. He says, God has led me to this place. God has led me to Rebekah. And so he reveals to the family that it's God's will for Isaac and Rebekah to be married. He reveals that it's God's choice. They are God's choice for each other. You know, this was important for the servant to do, wasn't it? You see, it was important that he didn't leave anything out, but that he relayed the whole event so that they could see clearly God's leading. So they themselves could see that this is God's will, God's direction. You see, for us, as we read that section, it's very repetitive, isn't it? It's basically a repetition of what we've already read at the start of the chapter. It's the whole thing again, the whole story again repeated. But we have to put ourselves in... Rebecca's shoes and in her family's shoes here. They're hearing this for the first time. They're hearing this for the first time and as they hear this testimony, they're now understanding what this servant's here for and they're understanding that God has led him to this place. You see, it's only now that Rebecca learns of Isaac. It's only now that she begins to understand why the servant is there. It's only now that she begins to understand her part in all this. Because she has a part in this this whole equation, doesn't she? She understands now that this is God's will for her life. And so the servant here is doing his part. He's been a faithful testimony. He's 
uh, a faithful witness, sorry, giving his testimony of what God has done, showing clearly that it's God's will. And now the decision to obey or disobey rests upon the family, doesn't it? Okay, the servant's done his part, he's given his testimony, and now it's up to, up to them to respond. And so we see lastly here this morning the response of the family. The response of the family, verse 50 and following, but we'll read it in a moment. You see, upon hearing the words of Abraham's servant and recognizing that the leading, uh, the, sorry, recognizing the leading of God in all this, Laban and Bethuel, they now answer. And they answer saying, we will allow Rebekah to go. Verse 50, it says, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go. And let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken. Laban and Bethuel, they acknowledge that the thing proceedeth from the Lord. Notice that? They acknowledge that it proceeds from the Lord. They acknowledge that God had spoken. They acknowledge that God had made his will clear. And basically they say, who are we to disobey God? How can we speak against the Lord, against his clear leading? You know, the initial response here of Laban and Bethuel is to be commended, isn't it? Because it's the right response to the leading of the Lord. You see, there could be no denying that God was in this. And regardless of their personal feelings, they were not going to stand in Rebecca's way. They were not going to hinder her from doing God's will. You know, we do get the sense here that as far as their own desires were concerned, they're not completely happy about this, are they? They don't really want to see Rebecca go so far away from home. You know, they loved her dearly and they knew they would probably never see her again. You know, they, they hadn't seen Abraham since he left. Since Abraham traveled west, they'd never seen him again. And so it was likely they wouldn't see Rebecca again after this time. You see, they put aside their personal feelings here and they surrendered to the will of God. You know, we need to heed this example in our own lives, don't we? You know, we must be willing to put aside our own feelings and submit to the will of God, both concerning God's will for our own life, but also the lives of others, you know, the lives of our loved ones, our friends, our family, as parents, our children. We're willing to put aside our feelings and submit to the will of God. Let God have, their, let God have his way in their lives. You know, if that means that they're taken far from us or they're led somewhere where we didn't expect well, then we still have to support them in God's will, don't we? We have to support them, not stand in their way, not be a hindrance. Now, obviously, if it's not God's will, we need to voice our concerns, obviously. But if it's clearly God's leading, as it was here for Rebecca, we need to surrender to God's will and not be a hindrance, not stand in their way, but support them in obeying the will of God. And indeed, that is the, the initial response here of Rebecca's family. They acknowledge God's call upon her life and they surrender to it. And having heard this, we now see Abraham's servant once more bow down. He worships the Lord and he gives them gifts. Look at verse 52. It says, And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard these words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and he gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. Now, of course, in those days, there was a bride price or a dowry given. 
And so these gifts of silver, gold, and raiment are the bride price given to Rebekah and given to her family from Abraham. And in verse 54, we then see they finally sit down and they eat the meal and settle in for the night. Verse 54, it says, And they did eat and drink. He, he had the men, sorry, he and the men that were with him and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning and said, and he said, Send me away unto my master. They finally sit down and they enjoy the meal, spend the night. And in the morning, the servant rises up and he says, We need to leave. We need to depart today. Let us go. And this is met now with a negative response from Rebecca's family. Verse 55, it says, And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at the least ten. After that, she shall go. Now, they had willingly agreed at first that Rebecca should obey the will of God, obey his will for her life, but they didn't want it to be so sudden. Now, we can kind of understand this, can't we? We can understand where they're coming from. They'd only met this man the day before, and here he is now, the very next day, saying, we've got to leave, and, you know, let's, let's depart. They haven't had a chance to even say goodbye, haven't even had a chance to come, to come to terms with it all. You know, they felt that a minimum of 10 days, at least, that's what it says there in verse 55, okay, let, a, let the damsel abide with us a few days, at least 10, after that she should go. They felt at least 10 days was needed to prepare for this journey and to say their goodbyes. The servant is adamant that they don't hinder him in, a, in departing immediately. Verse 56 says, And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. You know, God had prospered his journey this far, and the servant wasn't going to let them hinder him now from finishing God's will, finishing God's task that had been given to him. You know, he wasn't going to let anything hinder him from returning home with the wonderful news of what he'd found, of what God had done. And commentator Morris writes this, The servant had good reasons. However, regardless of his... Sorry, the servant had good reasons, however. Regardless of how insensitive his request may have seemed, the Lord had clearly indicated his leading. Therefore, there should be no delay in following his will. Delay would only give opportunity for the flesh to find reasons for rethinking the decision and possibly changing it. That's true. Now, when God's leading is clear, if we delay, we're just giving ourselves opportunity, aren't we, to find a reason not to obey. Okay, we're giving our flesh opportunities. And so the servant here, even though it seems insensitive, he's actually doing the right thing. God's will is clear. God's leading is clear. We need to depart. That's true in our own lives. When God's leading is clear, we need to submit and obey, not look for a reason to delay. Look to obey immediately as the Lord leads. Now, after hearing this, after hearing the servant once more reference the Lord and how God had prospered him in the way, Laban and Bethuel's wife now call for Rebekah, and they let her make the decision. Verse 57, it says, And they said, We will call the damsel, and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. That's a wonderful response, isn't it? They call Rebekah, and she says simply, I will go. You see, we see here that Rebekah, she's completely surrendered to God's will, isn't she? She's surrendered to God's will for her life. She listened to the story. But the servant had told, she listened to his testimony of all that God had done and she was convinced that this was of the Lord. She was convinced this was God's will. And so she humbly 
surrendered to God's will for her life without delay. And the rest of the chapter now tells us of the journey back to Canaan and the marriage of Isaac and Rebekah. Let's just quickly read it. Verse 59, it says, And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions. And they let, sorry, let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well, Lahoroi, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. And she had, for she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a vow and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother's tent, Sarah's tent and took Rebekah. She became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And so the chapter ends with her following the servant back and this wonderful marriage taking place. You know, the whole story that we've looked at this morning and last Sunday morning, this whole story here in chapter 24 really reveals to us God's providence, doesn't it? It reveals to us the providential leading of God in bringing these two together in marriage. Distance was not an obstacle for the Lord. You know, they were separated from, by hundreds of kilometers, but God knew that they were for each other and God brought them together. But you know, we notice that God did all this because... They were surrendered to him. Because everyone involved, all parties involved were surrendered to the will of God for their lives. Abraham, he was surrendered to finding God's choice for Isaac. Looking in the right place. Looking for someone who would support his son in God's will. The servant was surrendered to finding God's choice. And he prayerfully sought the Lord's leading, the Lord's will. Rebecca's family, they acknowledged God's will and they surrendered to God's will. And Rebecca, Rebecca heard this, the testimony and she surrendered to God's will, God's calling for her life. You see, yes, God and his providence brought them together, but why? Because they were all surrendered to the will of God. They were willing to do what he asked them to do. You know, if we want God and his providence to lead us in these things, to direct us to his choice, we first need to be surrendered to his will. Romans 12, let's just go and we'll finish there this morning. Romans 12, we know these verses well. Romans 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, and they prove ways that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 1 starts out, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that really is where it starts. We have to be willing to surrender. Surrender to God's will. Surrender to God's choice for our life. Because that's the question this morning. Are you surrendered? Is you're all on the altar. Have you surrendered to the Lord? Are you willing to follow his will, his choice for your life? Because until you surrender, 
until you're willing to make that decision, you're going to miss or fail to see what God is trying to do. You're going to miss it. It's going to pass you by and you're going to wonder why it's not happening. Why am I not seeing God's leading? Well, it comes back to being surrendered. You've got to start there. Surrendered to the will of God. And then God will lead. God will guide, as he did here with Isaac and Rebecca. God will lead and guide us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. And Lord, we thank you for this wonderful story, this wonderful account of how you brought two people together. And Lord, we see, Lord, your providential care. We see your hand working every step of the way. But Lord, we see that you did this because each party was surrendered to your will. And Lord, I pray that you help us uh, each to realize that that's where it starts, by humbly surrendering to you, willing to follow you, willing to obey you every step of the way, and then patiently wait upon you for your leading. Lord, we thank you that you do care about us. You have a, a perfect will for each of our lives. Lord, may you help us to understand that truth and humbly submit to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.